Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And you're listening to the Ready State Podcast. You got it! You better stop it! This episode of the Ready State Podcast is brought to you by Momentous Grass-Fed Whey Protein. Our friends at Momentous make incredible solutions for over 175 professional teams. They work with neuroscientist Dr. Andrew Huberman, even across sort of besides sports teams, a lot of research institutions like what's going on at Davis around collagen research and Keith Barr. One of the th- reasons that I am a Momentous fan is their protein, wait for it, doesn't make me nauseous. Isn't that cool? Why do you think that is? Well, it turns out a lot of the whey protein that we've been asked to handle as athletes because it's easily, you know, super essential, has a ton of essential aminos. It's really bioavailable, but it's not always the same. So one of the things that Momentus has done is that they added a prohydrolase. It's a proprietary blend of enzymes with the grass-fed, and it's the first protein I've ever had that honestly doesn't give me any chronic belly. A lot of the teams that I've worked with their athletes have had to shift away from whey protein and gone to vegetarian sources because they can't handle the whey protein. Well, I personally don't have any problem with whey protein. And the reason I like this protein is because I can mix it in with water and ice and it actually tastes awesome. Yeah, well, (laughs) as an aside, it's not an accident. I think you have this delicious, easily digestible, grass-fed from German cow protein. It's as good as it gets. It's NSF certified, safe sport, third-party test. Grass-fed, gluten-free. Yeah, that's right. My favorite thing to do right now, I take a little coconut probiotic yogurt, mix in a scoop of protein. It's like, it's my jam. Gold. To try out this awesome whey protein, go to thereadystate.com slash momentous and use code TRS for 20% off your first purchase. This episode of The Ready State is brought to you by Virtual Mobility Coach. This may sound crazy, but last year, I kind of tried to clone my husband. Awesome. Only kind of though. You see, Kelly gets dozens of requests every day for help. And even though he wants to give everyone his personal attention, there just aren't enough hours in the day. So I typed in how to clone a human being into Google. Just kidding. But in seriousness, what we did do was create our virtual mobility coach platform. It's like having a virtual Kelly Star ad in your pocket. Which obviously everyone needs. I mean, that's right. I personally create over 600 mobility protocols for the virtual mobility coach. So the platform can help you with almost any movement problem imaginable. For example, let's say you're in pain. The VMC will show you a diagram of the human body. All you have to do is click where it hurts, and from there, we'll serve you up a customized pain prescription we call Mobility RX. The virtual mobility coach can also help you warm up and cool down when you exercise. Every day, we provide fresh pre- and post-workout mobilizations for more than four dozen sports and movements. Plus, on your days off, we even have a video called Daily Maintenance to help you relax and recover so you can get back 100% in record time. And best of all, right now you can try Virtual Mobility Coach free for two whole weeks. So you can check out everything it has to offer without paying a penny. Claim your free 14-day trial of Virtual Mobility Coach now. Go to thereadystate.com slash free trial. That's thereadystate.com slash free trial. And we'll see you inside. On this episode of the Ready State Podcast, we bring to you the one and only Perry Nicholson. Perry was classically trained as a chiropractic physician with a primary focus on performance enhancement, corrective exercise, and metabolic fitness nutrition. And that is a special piece because even though he's classically trained, he has become a juggernaut of clinician in a different way. And am I right that he's had a major influence on you and your thinking and some of the language you use around pain in particular? You know, one of the things I really love about Perry, and you'll hear in this episode, is how he thinks that language matters. And we've always talked about that. We've always really pointed positive. We try to use 
positive patient language. But one of the things that I've stolen, you've heard me say, is that pain is a request for change. Even that idea makes us sort of highlight how we can think and use pain as information, not as like, you know, I've got rabies in my shoulder. And the other thing I thought was so fascinating about our conversation is Perry's, dare I say, obsession with the lymphatic system and the importance, which is basically the importance of getting waste out of our bodies. And I have to say that during the entire episode, all I thought about was, how do I get waste out of my body right now? <laughs> That's right. You know, uh, if you're not spun up with the lymphatic system, you know that we've been talking about draining lymphatic system and using NMES and decongesting. But Perry really takes a, a much more holistic approach. His clientele often has autoimmune issues or gut issues. And what he's done is expanded my thinking about how we can influence the lymphatic system to facilitate what the body does, which is heal, manage waste, garbage out, groceries in. We talked about a lot of interesting topics on this episode, and Perry is a fun, awesome, dynamic guest, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. He has had a, his own podcast for the Stop Chasing Pain for the last 12 years, and you can see he is a pro. Hold on to your butts. This is a good one. Hey, Ready State listeners. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Perry, welcome to the Ready State Podcast. Thank you, my friend. It's great to be on the show. Well, it's long overdue. When I look at my own sort of consumption on the internet, consumption about how I think as a clinician, because sometimes I, I think people forget I'm actually a clinician. I actually see people and solve these things and think at this level. You are one of the, like my five that I'm always, like everything you see, everything you write, I put up and I, I consume. So I, if, for those people who don't know, Perry is highly influential in my thinking, even if it's just confirmation bias. I'm like, yep, I know I'm the best. Perry said it, so I must be true. But uh, I'm so, so grateful to have you uh, chatting to our community. Thank you very much, my friend. I'm going to have to play this back on a recording so my wife hears that. <laughs> I want to score some points. Yeah, you can I just can. bring Kelly in as your, your home PR agent. Anytime you need a little, little bump, just be like, I'm going to put Kelly Starrett on speakerphone right now. This kid needs no bump. Yeah. Perry, tell us a little bit about where you're coming in live from and go way back in time to how did you get to be doing what you're doing now? Oh, great question. Well, I got to be doing what I'm doing now, probably like a lot of people, through my own pain and suffering and hitting a rock bottom and having to rescue myself. So I've found that people either need to do that for themselves or a loved one in their life. But it's been through different stages, honestly, which is the way every journey is, right? So I'm, I'm 55 now. So if I go back, I go way back to when I first got in healthcare. It was in chiropractic, which is still a piece of what I do because that's the diploma on the wall that allows me to study and, and learn. And I got into it because of musculoskeletal pain and injuries. You know, I'm old school, 1980, 81, 82 bodybuilding years. And, you know, I did a lot of stupid stuff. And then I just kept doing stupid stuff and saying the magic words that everybody still says today. Maybe it'll go away. <laughs> and, then, you know, sometimes it does because that's what the body does. It's strong and resilient and it adapts until it can't. Right. Then one day I couldn't get up off the floor after doing one too many squats. And then my partner said, I'm going to take you to my chiropractor. And I go, Cairo, what? And I didn't know what they were. And the dude was a wizard, man. He put me on the table and this was old school, straight manipulation stuff. And then I got off the table. I was like, 
wow, thank you. But at the time, it didn't hit me yet. And I just went back and started doing stupid things because, unfortunately, he didn't educate <laughs> me at the time on anything. Right. He fixed you, but didn't help you figure out why you'd gotten into that place. Exactly. And that's kind of what my journey's been ever since, because, you know, I became one after I got hurt over and over and over. And I said, okay, this might be kind of cool to get into so I can give, peel the onion a little bit deeper. And uh, I, you know, I was pretty cool with that for a while, but I quickly got frustrated because I fell into the same trap, you know, just treating low back pain and doing musculoskeletal pain, which is great. But I was like, man, why in the hell? Do I have to keep seeing these people so much? And why does all this stuff keep coming back? There's got to be some missing piece. And then it hit me. Wait a minute. Everybody's got to walk off out of my office and live this thing called life. Maybe I should look at what they're doing outside and talk to them and ask some questions, particularly about how they're moving. And this is before anybody was really talking about movement. And I got into it with some of a couple of people you may know, Gray Cook and Lee Burton and those guys at FMS. Trouble. And they exploded my brain of saying, you know what? A good idea might be, why don't you look at places where they don't have pain? Because maybe there's some dysfunction there where stuff maybe doesn't move as well as it should or it's not as stable as it should. Basically, it's like X does not mark the spot. And that was a brain like, holy cow, this is now getting exciting, right? And that's what I started to do. And then that worked for a little while as well. And I was pretty happy with that. But the universe has a way of sending you down a pathway, maybe to find your purpose or help you find answers, because you're not going to find it when you're comfortable because you're comfortable. So I got really, really sick and I came down with, I guess you would call it an autoimmune disease. They don't really have a name for it. I felt like I had all of them, <laughs> honestly. And my body just was, I would say I'm a walking ball of some type of infection, <laughs> And the <laughs> traditional medical approach that I went down because I had to at certain times, damn near killed me. And they didn't do it on purpose, but they were just going down their paradigm pathway. And the stuff that I knew up to that point didn't help me either. I've studied movement. I studied neurology. I studied all that stuff. And I'm like, it's not working. I'm missing something. And that's when I went back to old school drawing board. And you know how you find the answer based on your question. The question begs the answer. And it's, it brought me full circle of why does stuff keep coming back and not get better? And that brought me to finding stop chasing pain of start where it hurts, where the pain is, and then look everywhere else. And that's a daunting thing because you get scared to death of, well, where the hell do I start? And I'm like, well, where it hurts. And then you branch out from there. And then that's been my goal and my journey ever since to put those puzzle pieces together, which we'll get into as we continue to talk. I know I've kind of been rambling, but it's a long 55 years. Well, I have a, a lot more questions, and I'm sure Kelly does too, and about everything you just told us about, including, I think, a lot of the parallels in the way that we have changed the way we've thought about what we do and what we can offer to people over the last 15 years. But if I could go even farther back in time, because I do think it's relevant to sort of where you are mm -hmm. now, is that I read that you suffered from obesity as a child and that there was, I assume that may be part of the reason why you got into weightlifting. But tell us a little bit about that and how that part of your life has impacted what you're doing now or how you're thinking now. Yeah, that's a great question. I'd be happy to, because it ties into stuff that I discovered along the journey as well, is that your whole history matters and how you feel about yourself matters because your cells are always listening 
to your self-talk. And the cool research coming out now is that they see that shame influences and causes inflammation in the body. So, you know, I, I just got to jump right in and just say, if you, that blew your mind, just smile a little bit and see how you feel. I mean, do you feel better when you smile? I mean, it is that connection is sometimes when we see this new science come out, you know, it's so astoundingly true and obvious that shocking, right? Yeah. You just kind of innately know it, your intuition, you know, which we don't follow anymore because we need a 500 studies to prove something. I'm like, trust your gut, man. It's probably going to stay in the right place. But yeah, you can just type in shame and inflammation in Google. It'll show up. You can read it and they see. So think about that. If you don't like yourself or you're ashamed of yourself, maybe because of your personality or your weight, like I was, that causes your physiology to change because you basically don't want to be who you are. And I think Gabor Monte says that the illness happens when you're not being your authentic self, right? So I was like that when I was younger. I was, I had a tough home life. So there was some stuff there. And I was an introvert. I was very shy. I would dr lose myself in food, if you will, in watching TV. And then I got really, really overweight. I had the glasses. I got incessantly bullied and picked on in school a lot. And I just honestly hated who I was because the way I looked at it is, is that I'm not going to be myself because when I am, that's when all this stuff happens. So it must be something about me. So I'm just not going to be around people or I'm just going to not be Perry, my authentic self. And I really think that that trapped stuff, those trapped emotions that they talk about that you push down, it manifested later in my mind as a cancer that hit me in um, about 22 years ago. And it hit me in my throat, in my thyroid, where if you follow the chakras or energy, whether you believe it or not, is that's where your true voice sits. And when you can't speak your truth or be yourself, it can set in there. And so they took out my thyroid gland and a pretty good amount of lymph nodes in my neck 20 years ago, which actually probably led me to the journey with looking at lymph now. And yeah, so I got into bodybuilding shortly after that because... I was, my parents were separated and I was living with my father. My father got brain cancer and he died. And so then I went into a depression and the only thing that pulled me out was my mother bought me a copy of Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography. I'm standing with the clouds on the rock doing that side pose with that bicep. Oh yeah. And I still have the book <laughs> and it's all in pieces. And it says in there from my mom, look out Arnold, here comes Perry. And he became <laughs> like what I wanted to strive for. In bodybuilding, I, I say honestly saved my life because it taught me dedication and commitment and how to devote improvement to changing something. It's something I could control, right? And here's the cool thing, man. I learned later in life over the last several years from studying neuroscience that the biggest stressor for the human nervous system is not knowing, lack of control, and uncertainty. So bodybuilding gave me that sense of control which lowered my stress level and empowered me. But hold on for it. That world can pull you into the quicksand Whew. because it's all based on how you look and it's all self-judgment and you're never big enough. You're never lean enough. You can never work out enough. And then I became obsessive compulsive on training and nutrition. And that caused its own whirlwind of 
inflammation. So it taught me the law of yin and yang and balance and polarity, otherwise known as uh, homeostasis. Because recovery, I didn't even know what the hell that word meant in the 80s. I would open up the muscle and fitness and I would do the workout for Mr. Olympia all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And six days a week, no rest. Do you have any photos of yourself from that time that we can add to the show notes? Because, you know, there must be. There must be. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. In the vault. And then, <laughs> listen, I was a part of the 80s and I liked hair metal. So I had hair that was kind of like, <laughs> now I'll say Thor. But if you remember who Fabio was. Oh, those, yes, we I, do. Yeah, it was really, really long. You see what uh, Perry's my guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm literally like. I had Fabio hair. You have thyroid cancer. We're obsessed with training. I mean, come on. You're, this is why I like I was like, oh, I met my twin. Yeah. That's a universe thing right there, man. That's what that is. <laughs> I, uh, some point, I just need you to cut off one of those pages of that book and send it to me. I'm going to put a little frame. Like that book, that picture of your, the fact you still have that book from your mother. I like, you could, we could raffle off little pieces of that book. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's like a totemic item. Like that would be. I'd walk, I'd put it in my, like my bathroom in the morning, see that book, touch it, touch that picture. I mean, that's, that would get me going. That's an amazing story. But thank you. Well, thank you for asking about it. I, just everything about Schwarzenegger changed my life because, you know, of his training, of course, but the way his mentality on everything. And I got to meet him several times over the years because full circle, you know, he's a big proponent of chiropractic and his training partner and dear friend, Franco Colombo, was a doctor of chiropractic who he unfortunately passed away the last several years. He drowned. So that world, they were both into early on. And Arnold was also into the value of movement, which was cool. He's, he did early barefoot training. You see the pictures of him squatting and bare feet. You see him taking ballet lessons because he understood the value of doing different things outside your sport to make you better at your sport. So the cat was way ahead of it. And I got to meet him for the first time when I was out in Gold's gym, which was a uh, defining moment for me. Let me, uh, one of the things that uh, is so central to your work is how positive in the language that you use. You just told us a story about shame and the self-talk that we have, which is Part of, you know, my training as a classically trained physical therapist is I came out of this Western medical society, which we name everything, you know, every, potentially to catastrophize and medicalize things. Mm-hmm. Juliet often says that I'm probably just an average physical therapist. Thanks, babe. But uh, she says I'm really good at giving people permission to move and changing their low side of control. She's like, that's your real superpower. Where did you come in your writing? If I follow you on the web, if you see what's going on, your language is always so person first, positive, even just the way you've described some of the, you know, the things that you've talked about already. Where did that come from? Where did that real shift into the right language or better language? When did that really take hold for you? Because that's such a part of this integration Mm. of healing for people or getting out of pain is, is getting the brain on board. And as you said that, your body's always listening. Your cells are always listening. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. It happened in many different formats. So let me see if I can break it down for you. The first time was when I, when I got sick, I became much more aware of how my body reacted to stressors, to inputs, sensory inputs. You know, a lot of people just don't have body awareness until something hurts. 
So pain is a really good attention getter. That's why you got it. <laughs> but other than that, most people don't pay attention to anything, especially when it comes to their body. But when I became very sensitive immune system wise, I could start to have a thought. I could uh, say a word and I would notice that, holy cow, like, why are my eyes starting to water? Why am I starting to feel hot? Why am I tingling? And I realized that my physiology was changing based on the language that I was thinking. You think with your words and the words turn into pictures and then that frames your, what your body does, input to output, right? So it's that self-talk language. I remember because I was reading once some troll hater on Facebook and I'm like, I'm going through something here. I got to step away. I got to relax. And then that's when I started to let stuff go. And then I realized the power of language and words and everything that we do. So I call language the sixth sense because it's going to change how you feel. It's going to change the stories you tell yourself. And then I started to pay much more attention to how I was speaking at first, which is really difficult because it's like the fish in water who goes, uh, what water are you talking about? You're just... It's all around you, so you don't notice it anymore. You've adapted to it. So you'd have to catch yourself a lot. But then I notice about how everybody else is speaking, particularly in the medical field. And when you look at the words placebo in medicine, which people talk about something that can, you feel better because you think you feel better, or you feel better because somebody tells you you're going to feel better. And I'm like, that's freaking awesome. I hope so. I'll take a lot of that, please. <laughs> sign, <laughs> me up. Yeah, sign me up for placebo. I'm going to take as much of that as I can get. All right. And then you also have the flip side. So there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to understand it. But then you have the opposite side, like anything else, you have nocebo. And I realized that medicine would bust my chops about placebo and they're handing out nocebo all damn day without even knowing it, like throwing the diagnosis at you and the tone that they say or the words that they say, or they're saying words to you that you are saying, I have no idea what the hell you just said to me the last five minutes because it's all gobbledygook. That is a nocebo, right? And we plant that stuff all the time. And I realized that that makes a difference on whether you're going to get better or not. And I'll stand by that until I'm dead. So I started to really be careful of the words that I chose that can be empowering as opposed to disempowering. Because I noticed what it did for me. And then I noticed what it did for other people when I was beginning to work with them. So let me give you an example. So even the word change, right? We say, yeah, you change your habits and you change your behaviors. Well, I got to tell you, change is scary as hell. The humans don't like to change, right? Because it's unknown. It's unknown. Maybe the what I got now is better than what I don't know because that could be way freaking worse, right? It's the, the bigger dragon in the cave that you don't know is there. So I'll just stick with the devil that I know as opposed to the devil I don't know. So change is fearful. So I stopped using that. And now what I just say is I learned this from my friend, Dr. Bo Lotto who's a neuroscientist, he says, I use the word expand. Think about that. I'm not telling you to change it. I'm telling you to expand what you're doing now. Change it just a little bit. And you say, change what? Yes, I don't care what it is. I just need it to be different than what it is now. And you go, well, what if it's the wrong one? Well, how are you going to know unless you change something? So you have, you have to take your foot off of where you are. So just that word, let's say, I want you to change 
change what you eat. I would say, I want you to expand what you eat. And you're going to say, people say, ah, that's very trivial. No, it's not. When you're really sick and you're in the abyss and you can't get out, those small little things make a big difference in your healing because that's how the body works. Small inputs can give you huge, ginormous outputs if you get the right input. It also works the other way. I can do a huge amount of stuff for you on the front end and you get nothing on the back end because it's the wrong input or it's too much input. And then that's one of the things why a hand on the shoulder, a smile, like you just said, can make a difference. I place my hand over my heart and I could put one on my belly with my intuitive gut. And I say to myself, you know, my body's doing the best it can with what it's got in the moment it's in to protect me. It's not trying to punish me. That's a big phrase, right? And you have to reframe even what pain means. Pain is not punishment. Pain is protection. If you can flip that switch just that way, that makes a huge difference on you understanding and having a conversation with your body of, my lower back is killing me and I want to know why my body is doing it to me as opposed to why is it crushing my soul to make my life miserable? <laughs> You're going to get a different answer. You're going to get a different pathway to your rehab. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I will say I, expand forever. I love that. I love that too. Put it on my Perry bill. You know, I think <laughs> I have a story about Kelly, which I'm assuming this conversation I overheard him have was influenced by you. Speaking of language, but he was working with an athlete today who came in with the term she used was a back injury. But then it turned out after further conversation, she was fully able to still continue to do her sport. And she didn't have a back injury at all. And I can't remember how you tried to kind of reframe her thinking on that, but it was really interesting to watch Kelly start, hadn't put his hands on her, hadn't worked with her, hadn't had her move in any way. And he, you know, started the conversation trying to reframe how she thought about this back pain situation she had and stop calling it an injury because he's like, look, if you can continue doing your sport, like you are not injured. Mm -hmm. You may have pain, but you're not injured. So. Yeah, anyway, that was literally you know, three hours ago. So it's on your brain. You know yeah. what's the other thing is that a physical therapist told her she was weak. And I was like, Yeah, what does that even mean? I went, and I just was like, excuse me, did you just win the national championship in weightlifting for youth? And she was like, Yes. I was like, so what part of you is weak exactly? So just that reframing, you're right. It just you know, and it's such a small, seemingly small piece. You know, Julie and I have been talking about this book we read called Sand Talk, which is about sort of written by an indigenous Australian person who's talking about using sort of indigenous ways of thinking and encoding information and storytelling. But one of the things he talks about, he's like, look, we have three trillion connections in our brain and we used to just interact and relate. Like this is the thing that makes us the most human that we would spend four or five hours doing what we needed to do to feed ourselves and close ourselves. And the rest of it is intense personal interaction with other people. That's how sensitive and aware our brains are about inputting all this information, whether you're aware of it or not. And this language piece turns out to be communication. This weekend, we're at the Junior Olympics for water polo with our kids. Juliet has just retaken the Positive Coaching Alliance, which is about how to be a better parent, coach, cheerleader for your kids. And Juliet's a great cheering and, you know, very positive in the stands. But turning and actually being aware of how the parents interacted towards their kids. Yeah, I was just ex because I had horrified. just retaken the course, so I was acutely aware of almost every word that was uttered and like use of language. Uh, 
Oh. Yeah, and, and oh, body language. come on. Body language and language The language. body language. And, um, Your kid looks over and you're like, ah. Yeah, it was. Shocking. It, well, you know, that's a form of awareness, right? So we talk about, we need you to be more aware of your body, somatic awareness, which is a big thing. But if you take the time to become aware of your self-talk, right, which is not always easy. So it's easier to just monitor someone else, but you don't know what you don't know, right? And when you pay attention to that, you actually become horrified quick, fast, and in a hurry <laughs> about how people talk to about themselves or about other people. And you know the stats. I mean, how people communicate, very little of it is through the spoken voice. And here's the cool thing. It's not even so much the words. That's important. It's how you say the word. It's the intonation of the word. That changes the meaning of everything. That's the social engagement system that we have as human beings. So that can increase stress or decrease stress based on how I say a word to you, right? So we're taking in all this information, nonverbal information, and then you look at the body language. And you know that from being a clinician is you just can have that mimicry where you observe someone and you start to behave like them and they automatically like you <laughs> or they feel <laughs> more comfortable with you because you're a lot, it's all about energy, baby. Mm-hmm. You're on that same energy frequency. You can't be too high because then they can't even get there. You can't be too low. You got to be right in that sweet spot to get them. And so when people walk into my office, they don't walk into my office first. I'm usually the last stop you get to Mm -hmm. after you've tried a lot of different things. So the one thing that I've spent a lot of time doing with them is something that they haven't done a lot of is just talk or listening. Now, sometimes it's because the industry is so freaking broken that people, doctors and therapists that love people and want to help people can't because the model won't let them. You follow? That's right. That's right. So there's so many great people that the system has broken them. Uh, But if you can sit down and have a conversation with somebody and sometimes you just shut up and let them talk, and that's a big part of that healing that happens for them because how many times have they been in to see you or somebody that all my tests are normal or they can't find anything that's wrong. But meanwhile, I have all this pain or I still can't move or whatever. So one, you're always dealing with an emotional component to that because one, you're dealing with a human being that has a life story. You're not dealing with a freaking rock and you're not dealing with individual cells in a Petri dish. So And people don't behave in real life like they behave in a double-blind study in a lab. I hate to tell you that, but (laughs) when they step out of that into this real world, it's totally different. I think that- And that's why a lot of people get lost. Juliet has a question, but I want to jump in because I think you just queued it up. One of your sort of hallmark phrases is nothing gets injured by itself, nothing heals by itself, no system works by itself. Can you explain, did I get that right? And- to give honor to that? Yeah. Oh, dude, thanks for throwing one over home plate for me. That's a good one. I like What does that, that mean? What do you mean by that? <laughs> That's a good one. So it's this, no system in the body ever works alone. And what do I mean by that? The systems, you name them, nervous system, immune system, cardiovascular system, right? We got all these different systems that they have to work with each other. They never work alone. Unfortunately, that's how we treat them. <laughs> right? And They never get injured alone. When you injure one, guess what? 
all of the other ones are there to try to help out. So they're all impacted. And how in the hell do you know that the one that you supposedly injured is the biggest problem you got? Because you're allowed to have more than one problem, as my friend Eric Cobb from Z Health <laughs> always says. And take from me, you probably got a few of them, right? And then they never heal alone. You can't just pay all your attention to one of them. Like, I love the nervous system, man, but you can't just do neural rehab and then everything's going to turn out well. Because if you got poor blood flow somewhere, that ain't happening, right? And then poor blood flow where? And my answer is yes, you better check everywhere, all right? Particularly your gut. So that's the thing. I just want people to be aware of systems and be aware of what we say all the time, but I don't really know if we actually believe it. We say everything interconnects together. They're, all of the body is holistic. It's one. Sounds so easy to say. Oh, yeah. It's easy. But every time I turn around, nobody's practicing like that <laughs> at all. And as McGray Cook would say, he goes, so when somebody points to coming to see, they already know where the damn pain is. They point to it. They're doing your job already saying, dude, my shoulder hurts. And he said, medicine gives it a nice Latin name too. But you need to look everywhere else to the human being attached to that shoulder. And the way I look at it is, if you've been going after that painful body part for weeks or months, I'm going to take a wild guess that maybe that's not where you need to be looking, right? And you look at other places. And here's the thing. In the beginning, I was looking at other places, but I was still trapped in a musculoskeletal paradigm. What I mean by that is this. It blew my freaking mind when Gray said, if your right shoulder hurts, look at your left hip. I'm like, what? And then that's the cross-body connection of people listening to the show may know the fascia and the fascial lines and stuff like that. But, you know, it made sense because when you walk, you got to swing both of those things. And damn, if it didn't work, right? And then it even blew my mind to say, maybe it's down on the opposite side ankle. And then so I was looking outside of where it hurt, but I never thought about, well, what about the blood flow to the shoulder? What about the lymph flow to the shoulder? What about the brain in relationship to that? And then I said, okay, where did uh, all these other systems go? <laughs> and how come nobody's talking about integrating them together? Because the last time I checked when somebody fills out a health questionnaire, it's actually a checklist in there of body systems. <laughs> right? So you should look at how many boxes you've got checked off over the course of your life, because that's your story. And you may be in for your right shoulder, and I see you've got nine out of 10 things checked off on your gastrointestinal history. What I'm going to tell you, and stand by it until I'm six feet under this earth, is I'm going to tell you your GI is going to be affecting that shoulder. You just don't know it yet. And the way that I'm going to know it is I'm going to stick my fingers where your GI tract is and see if you jump and you don't like it. And I promise you, you won't because you're going to have inflammation there. And that's going to affect how you move everything. Not to mention that when you know systems, most of the blood flow in your body is in your gut. And if that doesn't have good blood flow there, trust me, the four corners, which are your hips and your shoulders, ain't going to be very happy. 
Does that make sense? So that's that's the thought process. I don't want people to look at the body the same way again. I need you to look at everything. But that's really hard for people to do because I learned this lesson. Nothing is more terrifying than unlimited possibilities. <laughs> but if you want to jump into the healthcare field, you better get over that quick, fast, and in a hurry because that's your job. And then stuff may not make sense to you, but here's another one of my favorite quotes. Yeah, so I, bring, I know what's coming. Please bring it. I snagged this one from Neil deGrasse Tyson. I was watching a YouTube channel in the middle of the night going down some rabbit hole. And he said, the universe is under no obligation to make sense to you. And I go, damn, that's brilliant. And then I thought to myself, well, the Wait. human body is its own universe, probably even more intricate than the universe out there that we think we know a lot, but we don't know. So I said, the human body is under no obligation to make sense to you, which means this does what it needs to do in the moment it's in to keep you from dying. And whether you understand why it chose this option or not, it could care less. It's going to keep doing it until you smarten up and you start to look at it a different way. It's not the body's fault. It's your fault. Love it. We always try to remind people, like you know, your brain is the most sophisticated structure in the known universe. It happens to be attached to a physiology that's the most sophisticated <laughs> physiology in the known universe. So what was that so again? So it's complex. It's complex. So I assume, and this may be yet another total softball, <laughs> but that you have come to speak to your patients or clients about, you know, all of the inputs we're putting into our body, drinking alcohol, sleep, how much people are sleeping, what they're eating. I mean, I know you talked about the GI tract. Yeah. Um, and, and I bring that up because I think that's, you know, we've sort of backed into talking about so many of those lifestyle choices yeah. as we've become older and maybe more reasonable, but also because well, I think we've become we've, more sensitive, more sensitive. And also because we've expanded and realized that those things can't be ignored even mm. for someone who shows up with neck pain or whatever else, that it's, right. you know, obviously a very complex connected system. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if there's a question in that. Well, those are what I call basics and fundamentals, man. Yeah, principles. And if you don't check those boxes off, you're going to be lost. You're going to be sucked into the quicksand. What I learned a long time ago is that not everybody does the basics and the fundamentals. One, because they might not know what they are. And two, I've stopped assuming that when somebody comes to see me, other clinicians have already addressed the basics and fundamentals. That's right. They probably haven't. I can't tell you how many people have said, nobody ever asked me about how I poop. Like, like do I poop? That's kind of big, right? Because that tells me about your nervous system, right? Tells me about your ability to get rid of any kind of waste that you have in your body. And then they ask about sleep, ask about hydration, ask about, you know, relationships or work. I'm asking about the human being that's in front of me, not about the tissues that I, I saw in some damn course, all right? And it's like sleep. If you're not sleeping, there's no damn rehab program I'm ever going to study in any course that's going to get you well. Zero. And they got to find out why you ain't sleeping, right? So I start with those basics. The same with uh, hydration. Like if you're not drinking enough water, last time I checked, you're 70, 80% water somewhere in that ballpark. I just want you to know it's more than 10%. So it's a lot. And if you're already behind the eight ball with dehydration, then the magic wizardry program I'm going to do for you is really going to work. It's like the alphabet. If you don't know the letters, you can't make words. And if you don't make words, you can't make sentences. You can't read books. So 
I check off these basics that some people say, really? He's asking me about this stuff? Yeah, it is. I read a book I read, guys, that changed my life. You may have heard about it. It's called The Checklist Manifesto. You ever read that one? Amen. Yep. Oh, yeah. And this dude was talking about how they did basic checklists for people in hospitals and surgeons of something like, did you wash your hands? Did you clean the instrument? Did you make sure you didn't leave an instrument inside of someone? Like kindergarten stuff. And they got all the surgeons got really ticked off like, ah, blah, blah, blah. But they realized they cut down on medical errors and death by like 60%, something crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, so that's what I do in my office. I'm just doing basic checklists for you. It's and that was at the Mayo Clinic, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell people it's kind of like a plane. And when I give this example, I said, I got to make sure that, okay, you got wheels on your plane. That two, you got a pilot in the seat. And three, you got a crew. <laughs> if you don't have those, guess what? Plane ain't going anywhere. And if it does take off, it's going to crash quick, fast, and in a hurry. So I got to make sure that you have those. And here's the thing that blew my mind. So many people don't have them at all. I'm checking off the boxes today of like all the questions I asked this young superstar athlete who came in. I was like, tell me about your sleep. Tell me about your nutrition. Tell me about like, I let him like, I am the best because I'm at the Perry level. <laughs> You've said a couple things today and I'm guiding you towards the, one of the things you're most well known for. You've talked about blood flow and you've talked about the system and you've talked about inflammation and that leads us to this idea about lymph. You even mentioned lymph. I am obsessed with lymph the way, maybe not obsessed like you're obsessed. I'm obsessed for sure. But can I know you are obsessed. I'm like a dilettante in lymph. Can you discuss, and we've talked about this on your podcast, can you discuss, tell us what lymph is and why you came to become for me, the preeminent expert clinician in understanding this system of the body. Sure. How many days do you got? <laughs> <laughs> I am not kidding you, man. This is my passion and my purpose of being on this earth. And when I get going, I could go on forever. So you'll have to check me here. All right. You'll have that little circle coming in from the side from Lisa. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she's kind of circle. Okay, this, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so one is the most important system in the body that nobody ever talks about or looks at. It's changing. So more people are talking about it now because they're realizing, yeah. holy cow, when you work with the system, I feel way freaking better. <laughs> Who knew? It's kind of like fascia. Nobody knew what that word was a while ago. And now everything is linked to fascia. So in a nutshell, the lymphatics are the primary part of your immune system. And their job is to keep you alive and not dead. They clear out waste from the body. And this is when people ask me, what kind of waste? Well, you name it. Cells that die every day naturally inside your body on purpose, autophagy, from injury. They clear out toxins of all different types. Everything that gets into your system by being alive on this planet what you stick in your mouth, bacteria, viruses, toxins, parasites, and they kill cancer cells every day. So you hopefully don't get runaway cancer. And they actually remove the majority of waste products from your body. But it's also part of, so it's a sewage system, if you will. And I've read that you make upwards of three to four liters of lymph a day. Yeah. And you've got Anywhere, if you look at the resources, it changes 12 to 15 liters of lymph in the body and five liters of blood. So I want you to tell me which one might be kind of important. <laughs> it's the lymph. But here's the thing, man. Lymph doesn't work alone. Lymph is part of your cardiovascular system, your circulatory system. It dumps into the veins of the body, the venous system of the body. 
and then it goes back out again through the arterial system of the body. It's changed names. It's called plasma at that standpoint. And plasma is all the, you know, the creamy filling of the donut, basically, for your nutrients. And so those two systems work together. So it's involved in waste management, but it's also involved in the supply side because it works with the other side. So in my world, if you got blood flow problem, a cardiovascular problem, you got a lymph problem. If you've got a lymph problem, you got a blood flow problem. You always have the two together. And then veins also remove a significant amount of waste from your body, particularly the uh, carbon dioxide. But they're finding now, it used to say that the veins remove most of it and the lymph removes a little bit. Now they, it's the other way around. It's the oopsie daisy, we got that one wrong thing where the lymph does most of it, particularly excess proteins from the body. Now, proteins are highly inflammatory, the huge inflammation in the body. So if your lymph is down, you can't get rid of waste. And when the waste stays inside of you, that's not good. Because then what happens is you get this thing called inflammation, oh, right? And then the whole immune system goes crazy and your body starts to attack itself and all these sorts of things. And so that's a big part of the lymphatic system. And that's the waste management side. And I, I came across that work through my own misery, basically. Remember I said that I was really sick and I almost died. And I got to a point where I actually wanted to take my own life a couple of times because I was just at rock bottom. And I said, okay, I got a choice here. I'm going to give up or I'm going to just, I got to get to it and rescue myself, as Mel Robbins says. And that's when I came, I just went back to basics and I reframed it. I'm like, okay. I can't get better. Why in the hell can't I get better? And then I said, what do my cells need to actually get better? And I broke it down simple. Like it needed a kajillion things, but let me go back to basics. All right. They need nutrients in order to do what they need to do. And they need to get rid of waste. Those two things. That's it. If you don't have those two things, you're in big trouble. And then what I realized is I've been spending all this damn time on the nutrient side. Doing breathing, doing nutrition, doing supplements, blah, blah, blah. it's always in, always in. And I'm like, well, of course that's not working because I'm so backed up with waste on the inside. My body won't let me do anything with what I'm sticking inside of it. I'm doing it bass backwards. You got it? And so I realized I have to do the waste management side. But nobody ever mentioned to me in all of my years when I had cancer in the thyroid, when I was sick and I had a full-blown fungal candida infection that damn near took me out. Not a single person said the word limp to me. And I can't blame them because I'm in the healthcare profession and I didn't even think about lymphatics. And then I realized I was onto something when I started to test my hypothesis. And I said, let me play around with my lymphatics a little bit. Because after I saw how I looked in my symptoms, I'm like, dude, you're a big walking lymph node. You're just swollen from head to toe. I look back at my pictures now and I'm like, <laughs> limp. that's limp. I can see it a mile away on anybody. And I just did a simple release, you know, that I learned a lot. I learned from osteopathy. And then through my training, I learned a lot from Eastern medicine and uh, Qigong. So my approach is vastly different than most lymphatic techniques. I'm going to tell you that now. And I did some interventions and I go, I don't know if this is a placebo effect, but which is probably some of it was, but Damn, within three days, I felt like 20% better. And the thing that improved the most was my brain fog. I used to have such severe brain fog, I could 
hardly think, and I get really, really tired because I had such inflammation in my brain that my neuron waste, I would just shut down. And then I started to be able to think and stay awake a little bit more. And I kept at it. And then within one month, I clocked it. I lost 30 pounds of edema, swelling, body fat, and inflammation. And then I started to have the uh, energy level come back. And then all the other stuff that I was doing with it began to work much more effectively. And this is when I discovered it. It's, uh, it's not just what you do. That's important. But when you do it, makes all the difference. Like, if you don't get the win part right, forget it. And that's when it's more about the strategy of your approach, not the tactics of your approach. Right? Love that. And if you're listening to this, let me give you, let's just banter back and forth a couple examples. One of the things that you're a big fan of is this thing called jumping. It's bounding. You just yeah. bounce. Yeah, jumping up and down right? on your you just, feet. <laughs> yeah. But you don't even leave the ground, right? You just bounce up and down your feet. And you always, you, how long do you recommend people do this? Yeah. So people say, yeah, people have docs. Can I, can I buy a rebounder? I'm like, well, you know you were born with one. They're called calves, right? <laughs> and you do yeah. top up and down on them. But we don't really do that. You know, kids used to do it. But yeah. And when you jump up and down, it doesn't take a lot. I say to them, just start easy like anything else. Don't jump completely off the ground because if you're not used to that, one, it's really tough on your vestibular system on your inner ear and you might get a little bit dizzy and nauseous. Two, if you're not used to absorbing force, you can hurt your ankles and your knees and your hips and your back and your spine. So you're just like you're doing little mini calf pumps like this. And I say, listen, can you do that for like 30 seconds? They're like, that's it? Yeah, just do it for 30 seconds. And then how about you do that five times a day? Okay, because I want to get you at least started, right? Because if I say do it for five minutes, there's no way in hell you're going to do it. You're out. You're out. And I need you to do what I call tiny little action steps, little and often over the long haul. That's what I told you before about jumping up and down on your feet like that for 30 seconds seems like a small thing. Uh-uh. That's a big thing. That's a non, what they call that, a non-linear event. And that's physiology. That's how the body works. And let me explain that for a minute because it's really important for people to understand. This is one reason why rehabs fail all the time. Is that people think if they do a big thing in the front, they're going to get a big thing on, on the back end? No, it doesn't work like that. So that's a linear thinking. If I do something here, like A, I'm going to get the exact same response over here at B. That's linear, like a straight line. Well, the human body doesn't do straight lines. It does zigzags and hieroglyphics and loop-de-loops. It goes all over the damn place. And nonlinear means that small becomes a tsunami over here or a tsunami does nothing. So I look for the small little butterfly effects that happen, right, the, the underneath. The jumping up and down on the balls of the feet for 30 seconds is like that. Breathing from your diaphragm is like that. Working your lymphatics are like that. Nonlinear is sleep and water. So you do those small things and you're like, doc, this is the craziest thing in the world, but I had 50 things feel better just when I did that. <laughs> and then I say, now I want you to tell you before you jump up and down, I want you to just clear some of the tight places on your body where the lymph gets trapped. Then you jump up and down. That's what I'm talking about, order. That makes a big difference. Makes a big, big difference. So I've got a question for you, Perry. Is I feel like someone listening to this would be like, wait, maybe I have a lymphatic problem. 
Right. And how would they know? I just feel like even sitting here listening to you talk, I'm like, I'm feeling really inflamed right now. So I have a feeling that everyone else listening to this is feeling that. So how would someone know if they are that and and or if that's a problem? And then because I think we jumped ahead to some of the like, you know, the little tiny solutions put together, which makes total sense to me. But who would know who should be what kind of people or ailments should people be thinking about? Perry, can pain be having a lymphatic component? Oh, absolutely. That's a huge piece of it in my, in my viewpoint. And if we, uh, if we have time, we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, here's my joke, but I'm not joking. People say, Doc, how do I know I have a lymphatic system problem? Um, that's easy. You're breathing. That's how I know you got it. You're, you're alive <laughs> right. on this freaking planet. All right. Because I know what you got to be dealing with. And I know that people typically don't intentionally take care of their lymphatics like they do their teeth, for instance. Right. Because how you might know you have it, I'll be honest with you, almost any symptom in the body can be caused by a lymphatic obstruction because it causes inflammation. Pain is a big one because you increase the waste around cells and you can irritate the nerves from the environment around the cells and you increase what they call nociception in the body and it sends signals to the brain of potential threat because of the surrounding inflammation around the nerves and around the cell. But a lot of it is inflammation in the body and skin issues are a big one. So anything on the skin, you get it because most of your lymphatics are located in your skin. And our daughter, one of our daughters, won't say who, has made the connection that if she drinks more water, her skin is clear. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that a cool thing when they discover that? <laughs> right. And guess what? I don't have to t- say drink some more water, babe. She's like, give me the water. Yeah. Once people see a visible change in how they are outside and your mental acuity when you get older, that's a done deal. That's the value factor, right? That's the hot button that you got. So skin issues are a huge one. Gut issues are another one. Brain fog is a big one that you'll get up uh, with uh, lymphatics. So I could put a list up about, if you give me a symptom, I'm going to tell you there's probably a lymphatic system component to it. In my world, if you have an autoimmune disease, Hard stop, period, zero discussion. You got a lymphatic system problem. I just need to determine how long you've had it and how much of the system is affected. And same thing. I want to say there's two things. One is that anyone can take your course. You have courses about this. And it's so easy for your own hands on your body and certain behaviors to to improve this lymphatic fluid dynamic in your body. I just want everyone to know that. You don't have to be a clinician. No to benefit from knowing how to do some of these things. And personally, as I was laying in the hospital ah, yeah. bed after my knee surgery, you know, they were like, do you want ice? And I was like, heck no, bring me a heating blanket. In fact, bring me two, one's for my groin and one's for my belly. And they were like, but your knee. And I was like, <laughs> no, I need, a, I need a hot pack for my groin and a hot pack for my belly because I got to get this swelling out of here. There you go. Per Perry. There you go, man. That's it. Once you know how fluids drain in the body, you'll never look at the body the same way again. And if people ask me, Doc, I'm not a healthcare professional. Can I come to your class? I'm like, listen, if you're a human being, you qualify for my course because every person should know this information. Every person can learn this information. I make the big gobbledygook medical words really easy for you to understand. And then you can self-apply it and you can do it to other people if you have the scope of practice where you can, but you can do it to family members as well. And I always tell everybody, everybody has a God-given right to release your own lymph nodes. So I'll show you how to do that. And here's the thing. 
I know we may be running out of time, but two things move your lymphatics primarily. Moving. So the more you move, move more of yourself more often, more ways, more environments. That means do things differently than you're doing now. You're going to move some lymph. Most humans don't move. And then the other one is breathing, particularly from the diaphragm, because that increases pressure in the body and pressure moves fluid. Most people don't breathe from the diaphragm either. But here's the catch. I have people who are uh, movement and breath ninjas, and I have people that are elite athletes. And then this doc, ha, I move all the time. And I know every breathing <laughs> technique that you can know. My lymph should be good, right? And I say, should is the operative word here, because sometimes the obstruction and the blockages are so much, those are no longer enough. You've got to get in there to lift the rocks out of the way. So the water can flow, and that's where you get in there by hand. And it's not just by hand. You better know where you're sticking your hand. There's an order to it, an order, like you said, groin and abdomen so the knee can drain up to the neck. You have to know the sequence. So I've got people that are elite athletes, and the limp is their missing component. It's the linchpin that nobody's looking at. And they're really good at compensation and adaptation, but they don't know that they got it until I put them on the table and then they go, holy cow, I never knew. So it goes from all gambits. And I see lymph issues with infants, adolescents, and newborns. They're born with it because they got toxicity from the mom coming at them inside and through the placenta. And then they get ear infections. They get all sorts of issues right in the first couple of moments of life, first six months to a year. So I teach people how to do them on them too, that you just do it smaller and use your fingers as opposed to your hand. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 How are we going to know like where we've arrived that, you know, Juliet and I, when we started the ready state, I don't know, a hundred thousand years ago, <laughs> we, um, <laughs> so it feels like we started with this premise that every human being should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves. Right. And you should have a recipe or a baseline for just doing some basic care. And I want to expand that definition to including there's a lot you can control around your own fluid flow and as part of this language. Not only just about desensitizing a spot, restoring your joint capsule, also addressing this. And, uh, you know, I just so continue to appreciate the way you hold this space open for so many of us and bring it to it. You know, I came to lymph understanding around joints through an orthopedics, through understanding, you know, for our, through our work around not icing and beginning to use muscle contraction to join the, to drain the deep lymphatics of the joints. And then it was you who were literally were like, whoa, 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 there's a whole lot more here. It's pretty remarkable. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, it is. And, but I call it self-care, right? It's, it's just little things. So I, people say, how often should you work your limp? Well, it's like your teeth. You should do some lymphatic work every single day because the world's always going to be trying to take you out, <laughs> right? Nope. So, for example, walking is one of the reasons that walking is so powerful and why you're such an advocate of it, Juliet. You are obsessed and do such a good job of obsessed with having everyone in your, in your world walk. But that is one of the most powerful ways where you can just circulate your sewers, clean the drains. Yeah. Talk about a basic, right? I mean, that's awesome, right? I mean, what a wonderful thing. How about you have a glass of water on your walk? That's a big score right there. And then heresy, heresy right there. But, you know, here's the thing, you know, where all these lymph nodes are, 
you kind of touched on it. These lymph nodes, which are these mini toilets in your body, you got about 600 or seven of them, sometimes 400. I mean, it's all over the map. I just want you to know it's more than just a couple. You know, nature's pretty smart. Nature knows that they move by movement. So they're clustered around the joints, the primary joints of your body that need to move the most. The knees, the hips, the shoulders, the neck, and the abdomen. So if you concentrate on those regions from getting movement in there, you'll start to move your lymphatics a lot. But here's the thing. You know where those lymph nodes cluster? You've also got big flow pipes of a couple of other things that sit right next to it. Blood flow in, blood flow out, and nerves. And so when you massage those areas or release those areas, people say, Doc, when I rub in here, uh, what tissue and what system am I affecting? And then here's the answer. Yes. Yes. All of them. <laughs> you can't separate the two, right? And then I tell people, I said, listen, I don't even care if you know the name of the system because some dude made that name up in the first place that you just influence the whole region. And that's what I want you to know. And that's why it can be so powerful and why people say, Doc, I mean, I rub those places. That's the craziest thing in the world, man. But I had the best walk. I had the best run. I had the best night's sleep. There's no way it can be that easy. And then I say, well, first of all, who the hell told you that? Because effective things don't have to be complicated. And maybe that's one of the reasons why you're not getting well, because it's so simple, you're not even looking at it. <laughs> and that's what I want to do. That's back to wax on, wax off, sand the floor, paint the fence. I got to do the basics before I show you how to do a spinning back kick in the air. You follow? And that's what most people do with rehab. They just do all the fancy stuff. And I'm like, did you ask if, did you check their limp? So when I work with you, that's the first system I check. I check the limp always because here's the cool thing. When I show you how to check the limp, you just released it. So you got an assessment and the treatment at the same time. That's a double check the win box. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I really appreciate that Kelly and I are writing a book. And one of the things we, it's all about really basic principles and we call it getting to base camp. Yeah. And it's amazing how even some of the, in fact, sometimes they're the worst, you know, the people who have access to the most elite stuff, they're so elite that they've forgotten to do even the most basic stuff because they have access and, you know, whatever. So we see it amongst professional athletes and all sorts of people who you think, oh, there's no way they're skipping the basics. And they still are. You know, there's just a lot of people skipping the basics. So, yeah, all the champions yeah. do the basics. Yeah. All the masters on the top of the mountain do the basics. So before we let you go, I want to, I know you're friends with slash a mentee of Dan John. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Dan I just John wanted to ask man. about that. Yeah. And the man. <laughs> yeah. I love Dan. I was actually just thinking about Dan John because he always says a phrase, you know, chop the wood, carry the water. That means you got to do the work. Yep. He's a legend. <laughs> Yeah, he is. He's, he's a legend. He's the one who also says uh, little and often over the long haul. And he's all about, he makes the best freaking Venn diagrams you're ever going to see on the planet, first of all. So, you know, he, that's how you learn. And he goes back to basics. And that's what he teaches all the time. And I realized something from studying the brain and studying how people learn. People are hit over the head with information. They got so much information, they don't know what their name is and where they're coming or going. And then it's like everybody tells you something different. So you're just like, I'm not going to do anything. Right? So information in and of itself is inherently meaningless. Right. So the meaning of the information comes based on the human being that you're working with and the meaning that you give it when you're the therapist or you're the athlete. So it's not the information 
that I'm going to dump on people. It's to take away uh, the basics of what some of these things can do and change your life. And you just start with two or three things and it can make a huge difference. And I just want one of your top three for now that you add to just be a little bit of limp love. That's all. <laughs> just throw that in there and I'll be freaking happy. <laughs> the double Done. O. So Perry, what are you living for, looking forward to working on? What's next? Good question. Well, I'm all, I love to teach. That's probably my favorite thing to do is education. I still see clients to keep my hands in the game and keep my mind sharp. So when I have these crazy thoughts in my head that I write down, I'm going to see, does this stuff actually work on somebody or not? And then I get the <laughs> feedback from it. And that, that really helps. So I've always got some new courses coming, but I'm actually, uh, hopefully, crossing my fingers, I'm just 10,000 words away from finally completing my book that's five years overdue for Victory Belt Publishing. You may know those guys. Yes. So if they still have me, they probably want to strangle me by now, but it's my <laughs> Stop Chasing Pain book because here's the thing. I was writing that book before I got sick, but it's a different book now. Because I firmly believe, and I told them that, I said, listen, I needed to go through this to write the book that I was meant to write for the people that need it. So this is the right time for it. And the stuff that I've been talking about today that I've had the, the privilege to do with you, these are some of the basic principles that are in there. And hopefully that'll be out, you know, definitely within uh, the next year, hopefully sooner depending on how much they need to edit the stuff that dumped out of my brain on the page. <laughs> you know how the editing. Congratulations, though. Yeah. Those guys can corral cats, don't you yeah, worry. Yeah, they can. Oh, They're, my God. It's going to be awesome. A, and congratulations. Thank, I have such a respect for you, for you both on the writing that you do. I had Jill Miller, you know, Jill. She said, I said, oh, I got a book deal. And she said, listen, you're going to be really happy right now, but in a little while, you're going to hate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> most stressful things ever. I said, Jill, I hear you. I got you. So well, props to you. It will be the most missing book. Like you'll be putting that, we were looking at that huge puzzle and you'll be snapping in such a missing accessible piece. I cannot wait. Well, dude, if I can see myself propped up against Deskbound and Supple Leopard, I'm going to check my life win box right there, man. So... <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find your courses, learn more about you, make sure that they're on your newsletter list so they're ready when your book comes out? Tell us. Thank you very much. Well, I spend an un, uh, probably an unhealthy amount of time on Instagram these days. So <laughs> you can go to, if you type stop chasing pain in any search engine, Perry's going to show up and uh, you'll see my uh, website. And then that has the links to all the stuff, all the social media links that I'm on there and all the workshops and upcoming events. And there's plenty there for you to get lost on under stopchasingpain.com. And then also, if I may, I mean, I have uh, my own podcast that I've had for 12 years, which is kind of cool. And I've spoken to a lot of really smart people over the years that have helped me kind of come to where I am now. And uh, I've shared that journey with listeners as well. And it's the Stop Chasing Pain podcast. My friend, uh, can't wait to see you. Thank you so much for continuing to uh, sharpen me as a clinician and a person. And uh, man, we are just so, I so appreciate your voice in the world. Oh, thank you very much for the both of you. Yeah, we have to do this real person in meat thing soon. <laughs> yes. We'll be on the East Coast in April. Oh, yes, we will. Oh, great. Awesome. Excellent. Well, that's a definitely a done deal then. Book it. 
Done. Thank you. Dr. Thanks, Perry, Perry, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it!